upstairs. like Mr. Tyler and Mr. Thane up there today. They've been doing that all summer long, giving our junior church workers a little bit of a break. Has anyone noticed the change in behavior of your children this summer? Like, is it like going down or going up? Or <laughs> uh, all right, the rest of you can turn to Acts chapter 2 today. Acts chapter 2, I I was uh, giving thought about staying on the same subject of the battle of the mind, and, and then this has been on my heart too, and kind of struggling whether to do this or not, but I think I need to, since uh, next Sunday is uh, definitely going to be a different type of a service, and, and, and I, I never preached in 25 years, I had never preached through uh, the book of Acts, just verse by verse, until I started in October of 2017, and we went through Acts together. That's the first time that I preached through the entire book, and should have done that much earlier, but what a blessing uh, the book of Acts is. This, uh, for those of you who may not know or studied in depth to, to realize this, but Acts is what you would call a historical book, and what, what it is, it's the time period that takes place right after Christ has been crucified, risen, and uh, now has ascended into heaven. And so uh, it, it, it spans over about a 30-year period of time, the book of Acts does. Uh, so somewhere around 33 A.D. to in, into the mid-60s, which takes place where pretty much... Um, not all of it, but much of the New Testament then, by the time the close of Acts takes place, much of the New Testament has, has been written. Not all of it, there's still some that, that needed to be finished, but some of Paul's later uh, books and uh, obviously John on, on Revelation. Um, so they said that Revelation probably wasn't written till somewhere around 90 uh, A.D., and so which means that that would have been 60 some years 60 years or so after Christ had been crucified but uh, it's a historical book and with that what we have is what we would consider a new dispensation and it's in 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 that stewardship of of how it, it's our relationship that we have with God how it has changed somewhat because we now have the resurrected Messiah. We have the one who has uh, died on that cross, was buried, rose again. He's ascended into heaven. And so now we're at a time period where we are looking back at what had taken place on that historical day. While before that, all of those in history were looking forward to the day that that Messiah was going to be crucified on the cross. That's what the Old Testament will do, is constantly pointing everybody to the Messiah who was one day going to be crucified. And now we have that time period when uh, he has been. And so we are in a, we are in a time of history that uh, the world had never been in before. And so God did some special things during this time. And, and in the establishment of the 
the, the church has, has already been in existence somewhat uh, in, I, I always call it in an embryo form. Uh, it, uh, the, the child is developing inside the, the mom's womb. That's where the, the church has been developing throughout the Gospels, and, and now it has full power given to uh, the, the church that we have today here in the book of Acts. And uh, so <clears throat> we get into Acts chapter 2, and this is where I want to be, and I really want to be at the very end of the, the chapter, but I think that we need to take the journey to get there so that you can understand um, where we're at today. Now, I think we need to be careful. I, I, I hear preachers all the time try to uh, compare us today to uh, first century believers. Well, we're not first century believers. And so there's going to be some things that are different that, that uh, we're just not going to be like they were. Now, there are some things that, like the first century believers that we ought to be like. We ought to be steadfast in our faith. We ought to be um, willing to, uh, uh, if persecution comes, we're going to take persecution and, and it's not going to sway our faith and we're still going to tell people about Jesus and we're going to do what it is that God tells us to do. But there are certain cultural ideas that we're probably not going to do and uh, we, we have those today who say that we are supposed to be worshiping in homes today. Well, that's a first century church. I believe that's a cultural thing. It's not something that has to be done today. But they will tell you that, no, if you're going to be biblical, you need to be uh, having church in your homes. Well, do you know why they had their church in their homes? I guess then probably what we ought to do also, if we're going to have church in our homes, then we probably ought to meet at maybe like around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning when everybody else is asleep because that's when they would go and get together many times under the cover of darkness because they knew that if they got caught, they were probably going to be killed or they were going to be ostracized from all of their family and lose their job and lose their homes and be persecuted and chased out of their, out of their uh, city where they were living. And so... Uh, that's one of those aspects where I believe is a cultural aspect. It's not a biblical aspect that we ought to be doing today. The day may come when we're not able to gather like we are. But are we there yet? No. Do we need to worry about that? No. God will deal with, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right now, we're going to worship God, and we're going to come together. You know what we're going to do? We're going to tell our family. We're going to tell our friends about Jesus. We're going to tell our community about Jesus. We're going to stand for what's right. We're going to stand for what's good, and, and we're going to stand uh, uh, against the devil, and, and we're going to tell people about Jesus, and we're going to show them that he can uh, deliver them from addictions. You know what? Today... Joe is a standing miracle six years ago today, delivered from his addiction six years clean today. How, how, yeah. You know, we, 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 uh, I, somebody uh, said one time that, that this church doesn't believe in miracles. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> You're a miracle, Joe. Praise the Lord for that. I'm a miracle. If you'd have known me when I was 12 years old, you'd think. That, that reminds me, too. I'm sorry, my mind is everywhere today, but you're just going to have to bear with me and try to catch the squirrels as they go by, okay? But 
Some, somebody said that, <clears throat> one of our teams said that they have a teacher this year that, that is uh, an outspoken atheist and does not believe in cre- uh, creation, doesn't believe in God. You know what I, what I want to tell you? You don't, you don't need to go arguing with all your teachers and everything, but, but if you're being challenged by that, you know what the one thing that you can tell them? I know that God is real because of what he's done in my own life. If God has saved you, there is no denying what God has done in your life. And they can say what they want, and she can believe, or he can believe, whatever he or she wants to believe, but I'm telling you that what God has done in your life, that is real, and that is God. And you just live for God, and you tell people about Jesus, and and you just look at that person like I did so often with a smile on my face, with a thousand-yard stare, thinking about fishing and hunting and not listening to a blooming thing that they're telling you, you know? And so, and, and you do not, I'm really going to get myself in trouble today. You do not have to write something just because that's what your teacher wants you to write. And if they make you write some paper of why, why you are developed from some goofy monkey somewhere, you can say, I wasn't. I was created by the very hands of God. Not only was I created by the hands of God, but and fearfully and wonderfully made by God, but I also want you to know that God has changed my heart from within. And he saved my soul and has given me eternal life and given me joy. Doesn't mean that that I'm I'm perfect in any way, but guys, you just gotta remember that and 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 just remember, you know what you do, how you fight the false teachings of the day. And, and how you fight the deception and, and how you fight the counterfeit is just know the real thing. And just promote the real thing and it'll be okay. And God will bless that. And, and you can be kind about doing it, and, but you can be firm about doing it. And you don't have to give in to whatever it is that they're telling you. You give in to what God is showing you and be who it is that God wants you to be. And God will always take care of you doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you just do what God shows you to do, and it's going to be okay. Well, in Acts, these guys said, uh, what, what a powerful day this is. I mean, you, you get in further over, and uh, you get past Acts chapters 2, 3, and 4, and then you're, you're going to start seeing the persecution coming, and, and you're going to see a lot of things coming in their lives. But th- this is an exciting time in chapter 2 that, that we see, and really... We're, we're seeing that today in our own church family. I, I'm, this is, God is doing these things that, that he's doing at Platte Valley and, and the people that have been saved and the, the marriages that have been saved and the children that now have a, a mom and dad that are representing Christ in their home and, and changing things in their lives. God's doing all of it. It's not us doing it. It's God doing that. And how exciting that is to watch and see and and, and that's what we see here in chapter 2, an exciting time in the day of Pentecost. And, and with this, we see, first of all, the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Look in verse 1, and i got to read this fast to get through all of this. Some of you are already buckled down, and, and uh, you guys better eat that candy a little faster to get that blood rush, sugar rush going to keep you awake. We might be here. Well, I know I'm scaring you. we got 40-some verses to go here, but we're going to do this, and Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that's 
50 days after Passover, and so I find this interesting if my calculations are correct. <clears throat> we know that <clears throat> Jesus Christ was, was uh, killed, remember, he was crucified, and he had to be crucified quickly because of the Passover, and, and so he was crucified, and, and now he raises again, and, and so now it tells us over here in, in uh, uh, earlier in chapter 1 that that Jesus has been alive now for 40 days, showing himself and letting people see him. And it, undeniable truth. God can always do that and will do that. When we need undeniable truth, he has it. And Jesus was that undeniable truth. And so now we, we have those 10 days after that, that uh, the 50th day after the Passover, the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. I, I find it interesting how that, uh, and, and God brings them together, and the Holy Spirit is going to be given to them at this time, and, and, and he brings us to one accord. It's amazing to me how we can have such a diverse group. I was speaking with a lady yesterday at a, uh, in town, and she was talking about how diverse the, the community of Fort Morgan is, and, the, and I was thinking, our church is just as diverse and praise the Lord for that. And, and sometimes as a pastor, it can make you break out in a cold sweat because how in the world do you, you make sure everybody gets along? Well, I can't do that, but the Holy Spirit can. He brings unity, and, and we just stay focused on, on the, the, the right things, and God always brings that. But anyway, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a, mighty, of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues the divided tongues like a cloven hoof you know so you have these divided tongues like as of fire and the fire representing the very presence of God and and it sat upon each one of them and so the fire went around the room and was upon each one of the uh, of the men for a, a, a period of time and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and so they were given the Holy Spirit at this time. Now, by the time that 1 Corinthians is written, and, and this would have been some 25 years later that Paul writes the, the Corinthians, we see that there are some things that are moving and changing, and, and we know that, and we know that these apostles were given certain abilities and special abilities that we do not have today. But here we see that, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit at that time, and and they went and they visited people and they, and they, and they talked to them and, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. It tells us in 1 Corinthians that uh, by the time we get to chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians that when you trust Christ as your Savior today, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. And so at that very moment of you trusting Christ as your Savior, you are given the Holy Spirit of God who has promised Jesus made the promise, and he made the promise when he was telling them about the Holy Spirit, John 14, 15, and 16, that when he gives you that, at that moment of salvation, he will never leave you. You need to remember that. When you come and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, he gives you the down payment in Ephesians, it tells us. He gives you the down payment of the the total consummation of your salvation on that day when you go into heaven and, and you meet your Savior face to face and it is all complete, it is secure in the very hands and the promises that God gives us. Do not live in fear. 
It doesn't give you a license to sin and live like the devil, but it tells you that his presence is with you, and he'll always lead you, he'll always guide you. You just need to let him do it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God as you walk and obey Him and listen to Him and listening to the Word of God. And, and here it tells us that these guys were, were given these uh, special ability to speak in tongues. tells us what the tongues are. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. They were excited because that... Every man heard them speak in his own language. It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? You imagine if we all came together and there was 27 different dialects represented in here, and I would just speak, and God would allow you to hear the message in your tongue. That's a miracle. The power of God. And oh, how we ought to praise him for that. And they were all amazed and marveled and one to another. Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear he, we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? And others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Some of them are saying, What is going on? Some man, they got to be drunk out of their gourd, be doing things like this. And, and well, what being drunk has anything to do with this? You know, but here they're trying to explain it away, right? Well, you just can't explain away the things that God is doing. And, and here we see that, that, and it was a miraculous thing, and, and, and God used that to authenticate the very message that they were getting ready to go out and preach and teach. And, and Peter is getting ready to do that right now. And, and you know, people get so caught up in, in the tongues movement today, and, and we get so caught up in, you know, like I tell you, somebody said, oh, that church doesn't believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I don't I just don't believe in Benny Hinn. <clears throat> I believe in miracles, but I don't believe it comes from the, the the hand of a man. I believe that miracles come from God. And that God is the one that's going to have all the honor and all the glory. God's the one who gets all the credit. God's the one that can have all the money. God's the one that can have all the power. God's the one that can have all of the, 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 the recognition. God's the one that gets all of that. None of us get any of that. We've seen such a mockery made of that, and we have that character. I never understood the one that's over there in Oklahoma. I don't even know his name. Don't even care to know his name. But, but here he is, some great miracle healer. And I remember years ago, you could, you could send him money, and he'd send you a prayer cloth, probably that he wiped the sweat off his brow with, and, and some miraculous uh, handkerchief that you could have. And, and then you find out that he has a hospital that, that uh, teaches and has a great hospital there where they uh, bring in students and teach them how to be a great nurse or a great doctor. Why in the world do you need a hospital when you could walk in there and heal everybody, buddy? Jesus would. Jesus was here, he'd walk in that hospital, and everybody would walk out. 
Jesus wasn't limited on his power whatsoever. You ever seen anyone that Jesus chose not to heal? Anyone that cried out and asked him, he healed. Jesus has all power. Man doesn't. Don't believe in the frauds that are out there. But here we see that the Holy Spirit of God is given to them, and and he's given to us today. But you know what? We don't need all of these crazy signs that uh, God still heals. If God wanted to to somebody to speak in these tongues, he would, but he doesn't need to. You know why? Because we have the Word of God today. We have the ability now to make that bring that Word of God to, to almost every dialect in the world today. You know, I also think that if those that are searching for God and don't, don't have the Word of God in their own language believe that if they're, God's knocking on their heart and they start searching, God will bring it to them. God will always introduce himself to them. And so here, I'm telling you, this is going to be rough. <clears throat> but here we just, we need to understand the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to look for signs, stop looking for the tongue. Stop looking for the, the fancy miracles and know that God can still do that. But instead, look for love, joy, peace, long-suffering temperance. Look for those things that show us are the fruits of the Spirit today. Oh, no, I want the show, man. I want the show of all these things. And those other things, those take effort. I know, it takes walking in the Spirit, right? Why is it we always so focused on, God, give me a sign? You know, what what faith is in it when, when you're always asking God to give you a sign? Just trust Him. Trust Him. Trust them and know that it's going to be okay. And so here we, we see that they're given the Holy Spirit of God. And, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. You, I, I mean, you, you, want to talk about, you, you want to talk about a sign of somebody walking in the Spirit. This is the same man who, what, for uh, 50, uh, 50 days ago had been cussing like a sailor and been hiding out and denied his Jesus, and now he's going to those very same men and probably looking in the eye some of those men who had blood on their face from the splatters of Jesus whenever they beat him, and, and he's looking them in the eye and he's saying, guys, I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to tell you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You, you want a sign of the Holy Spirit of God, then, then that's what you do. And you, get, you stand up and you tell people the truth and you tell them what, what Jesus says. And, and so he goes on and he says, These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes in and he, and he refers back to the Old Testament, refers to Joel. And there we see that, that we have a double reference in Joel. And part of that is the... The, the prophecy is going to be fulfilled on that day where Peter is preaching, and then the rest of that fulfillment will take place during the tribulation period. And so he goes through that, and, and it tells us in verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what? That's never changed since the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve sinned, You know, and they tried to cover themselves up with leaves, didn't they? What did God do? Took their leaves away, and what did he cover them with? 
skins of an animal, animal that had to be sacrificed in order to have their sins covered. It's always been that case. It's always been the shedding of blood is the remission of sins. All the way back then, even then, in Genesis 3, we see Adam and Eve knew and understood and recognized that uh, even Cain and Abel understood that and, and, and understood that it had to take a bloody sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, to have the remission of sins, the forgiveness, and the payment for our sins. And so until that day, until today, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. You men and women of Platte Valley Baptist Church, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You did that. I did that. The Jews did that. The Gentiles did that. The whole world did that. Jesus Christ knew he was the only one that can make the payment for our sins. And he willingly went to that cross and died on that cruel cross so that whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved. Boy, how good is that? How sweet is that promise? Don't try to rob God of what he has done. Don't try to diminish what God has done by saying that you can you, you, you are stronger than his power and that, that there, are, there are things that you can do in your life that can, that can rob you of the very promises that God has told you, that, that he went to the very gates of hell for you. Don't try to diminish that. And you come and you trust in Jesus Christ. And, and you know, but I'm telling you here, that it has to be an individual realization. You did it just like I did. You need to come to Jesus and you need to settle the sin debt that you have. And you settle that by calling and trusting on the very payment that was made, that sacrifice of Jesus. I, I've had good-hearted people tell me, well, I know that I'm saved because I, I lived through a car wreck and, and God saved me. Or I lived through a, a, a terrible accident and, and I know that God has more for me. Hey, I'm glad that God saved your life, but has he saved your soul? You still need to do business with the sin debt that you have. And nobody can do it for you. You have to do it. you got to deal with it. And what do you do? You come to him. You come to the one that made the payment. That's what he's telling them. And, and he goes on, therefore did my heart rejoice. My tongue was glad. Moreover, almost uh, also my uh, flesh shall rest in hope because thou will not leave my soul in hell neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption he's quoting psalm 16 verses 8 through 11 and here talking at david writing again of the prophecy of the savior who's coming to save and and uh, then he therefore being a prophet knowing that god has sworn with an oath to him that of uh, the fruit of his loins according to the flesh he would raise up christ to sit on his throne he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. You see what the Jews wanted? The Jews wanted Jesus to come and set up his kingdom and deliver them from the Roman Empire. 
And so they were thinking he's going to be this earthly king at that time. And then when he found out, he said, this isn't my kingdom here. My kingdom's to come. And so then they crucify him because he, they say he's blaspheming God by saying that he's God. And, and they're using the, the, they get the ability to, and the right to crucify him from the Roman Empire by saying that he's trying to start his own kingdom. Well, here we see Peter explains to them. He says, look, that, that wasn't what he's talking about, but he is coming back and he will set up his throne and it will be upon the throne of David one day. Oh, how you need to look to Jesus. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. You're now seeing the very power of the Holy Spirit of God. You are hearing the words of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what Peter is telling them, preaching and teaching the very words of God. We need to be doing the same thing. It's not your advice that matters. It's not your wisdom that matters. What matters is giving people the truth, the Word of God. And tell them the Word, and you'll find that it'll always be true. And that's exactly what Peter is doing here. And, and then he says in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is who he says he is, and you need to trust him. You need to trust him. And then you look at their response. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do you want us to do? What is it that we should do? You, 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 you've told us that we're the ones that, that crucified him. And, and in Acts chapter 5, we see that they try to deny that they're the ones that try to deny all of this. And, but the facts are the facts, and, the real, uh, and, and we know the reality of it. And, and, and so here, they're okay, so if we have done this, then is there any hope? You see, that's where our world's at today. I mean, our world is watching the economy. Our, our world is watching, you, you know, the, 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 the mockery of the evil today and, and the wickedness that is rampant all over our world today. And, and, and many of you who are, think of JB, who's a Marine now, those of you who fought for our country throughout the years, and you think, man, this isn't the country that I fought for. This isn't the country that, that I was so proud of and being a part of. And, and, and you look at all of these things and... And the world is, is at this point, and they're like, what can we do? Well, then Peter said unto them, repent. Repent. Well, what, what do you mean by repent? Change your mind. Change your ways. What do you mean by changing your mind? Well, who's Jesus? Well, he's the Son of God. And he died on that cross, I see that. And I know that he rose again. There's no denying that. For 40 days he walked on earth after he had risen from the dead, showed himself to hundreds of people. And I realized that he is God. And so I repent of my thoughts of who he is. And the biggest thought is I realize that my sin is wicked. And I realize that... that 
Uh, there, there's nothing good in myself on my own to offer him, and so I need to come to him pleading and looking to him and call on him to be my Savior. And so you repent of your understanding who he is, and you repent of your sin. Oh, it brings you to a sadness in your life, doesn't it? But then it brings you such a joy whenever you lay that on the altar and you just by a simple, humble faith call on Jesus to be your Savior. You know what? He releases you of that burden and he forgives you. Nothing better than knowing that you are forever forgiven. I mean, we owe him everything. And then what does he say? Well, we repent and then be baptized. Some will try to use this saying you must be baptized in order to be saved. No, you don't. There's about four verses that say repent and then be baptized in that order. There are 150 verses that say call on Jesus, trust him by faith, and you have salvation. Don't try to add anything to God's word. You can't, you can't sit up here and say... I'm, I'll do this 10 times and this is going to make God happy with me. Or, or I'll think of something else. I, 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 whatever you want to think about. You can take two rocks and rub them together. And, and if I do this and make a pretty sound, that it's going to make God happy with me and I'm going to be saved. Or, or I can chant something out and, and that will make God happy. Or, or I can dress a certain way and that will make God happy. Or, or I can get baptized and that will make God happy. Or I can take of the Lord's Supper and that will make God happy and I'll be okay. I can do better treating my wife the way I ought to and God will accept me then or or I can change my ways in the way that I raise my children and and that and that'll save me or or I can quit drinking and that's got to save me and I know God will save me if I just quit the addiction that I have and and I can clean up my life and all these things will be better and and God will have to take me then no you still got the sin debt you got to lay your sin down and you got to tell him, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer you, nothing whatsoever. But I trust you. I trust you to save me because my faith is in you and you only. And I know that I'm the one that drove you to that cross. And I know that from the word of God, that if I will call on you and ask you to save me, that you will save me. And then you know what? He saves you. And then you know what? You have that burden lifted, and you're like, I want to tell everybody in the world what God has done for me. You see, that's the best way to deal with this, the, the teacher that says, I don't believe in God. Well, you don't have to believe in God, but I know what he did to my heart. And really, it's too bad. I'd probably tell her that. It's just too bad you believe that because you'd be a happier person and a better teacher. But you probably not ought to say that. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for because of part, because of what? Because of the remission of your sins. You're telling people what has taken place. And you shall receive the holy gift of the Holy Ghost. All of that, and in this case here, we, like I said, by the time Paul gets to 1 Corinthians, we know that process now. You are baptized by the Holy Spirit of God immediately upon your salvation. 
And God gives you that as the down payment. You receive the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all that are far off, even the Gentiles, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. In many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Be saved. Be saved from this. You see, that message has never changed. It's always the same. Trust Christ. Trust Christ. Let him do a work in your heart and bring forgiveness into your life. And you confess to him who he is. You confess to him who you are. And you call unto him to be your Savior and he saves you. Simple, isn't it? It really is. It's a simple process because of the difficulty that was done by God himself. A plan that only God could think of. A plan that only God could carry out. And then they that gladly received his word. When they took his word and became a part of them and they understood and they called on Jesus to be their Savior and they obeyed it, then they were baptized. And baptized means immersed. And that's what the very word means. It doesn't, I, I'm not, I'm, doesn't mean to sprinkle, it doesn't mean to pour it, it means to immerse you. And why? Because it represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What he's done. Old people can say, well, that's what sprinkling represents. Well, you can say what you want, but it, there's nothing in Bible that ever says a sprinkler pour. It says be immersed. Let people know that he is your Savior and you are uh, typifying that by following him in baptism. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They were added unto the church that was already there. That's why it started in the New Testament. And it was added to that. You become a part of the church. I know it's, it's splitting hairs. I've, I've been in churches where someone trusts Christ as their Savior, and then they go through classes and, and say, hey, here's what we believe, here's what we teach, and, and this is about baptism. And, and when you get baptized, then you're going to become a member of this church. So we want you to understand and know everything about us, and, and you need to, to know these things. And, and, and it is good because you are affirming that, that uh, you are uh, a part of this family and you're affirming that we believe what, what's being taught here and, and it is a good thing to do, but here it doesn't show us that there's any time period delay. It just shows us that you take them where they are and you help them to get where they need to be and on that very same day they were saved and then they went to the river, they were baptized and they were added to the church. Guess what? That means there's a lot of baggage in a church. There's a lot of junk that's going on in our lives. And you know what we do? Well, we just do what the Bible says. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I am certain there are times when I as a pastor need to deal with certain things that come along. But I also know that if somebody is walking with the Lord they're truly in the Word of God, and they're working at being what it is that God wants them to be, God can clean their lives up a whole lot better than I can. And as a matter of fact, if I just pay attention a little more to my own backyard, God will take care of those other people's backyards. I just need to do what I'm supposed to do. Now, yes, along the way, we confront, we counsel, we encourage, we help, and 
And I'm not in this to, I'm not in it to make you mad. I'm not in this to make your life miserable. I'm not in this thinking that I'm here to judge you or condemn you. I'm not in any of that. All I want to do is help you to get where you need to be. But sometimes saying hard things is part of that. And that's part of the teaching. That's part of doctrine. But then it also says fellowship. I, I saw something this week, and, and, I, and I agree to a point where this guy had said that, you know, fellowships are good, the meals are good, the, the time that we have together are, are, is good, but the main reason that we come together is to worship. I agree. But fellowship is part of worship. I don't think you can distinguish the two apart. I think it's all together. I, I think the singing is worship. Prayer is worship. The, the preaching of God's word is worship. But me sitting down and talking to Bryson is worship. When I'm sitting there and encouraging him to walk with God and do the things he ought to do, that's worship. When we come together and sit down at a meal and find out about each other's family, and pray for one another's family. That's worship. It's all about worship. The, the fellowship isn't about just to get together and talk about how worthless the Rockies are this year. I mean, that's pretty much commonplace. <laughs> or how the Chiefs are going to beat the Broncos this year. I'm sorry, that just came to my mind. It was one of those squirrels that went by. <clears throat> Church is much more. Fellowship is much more than just coming in at 9.44 and 30 seconds in the morning and leaving at 12.37 at the very point of dismissal. There's just more to it. You know, you find out that much of your ministering takes place when you sit down with someone after a service and, and some of you ladies, some of you widows that are out there, you, you see some young mom that has her hands full and ministering takes place when you just walk up to them and put your arm around them and encourage them and remind them that the days are long and the years are short and you just stay consistent. and You'll never know how much that does to somebody's heart. Walking up to John Scudder and just giving him a hug, and I know he loves hugs, but knowing that this morning is the first morning that he's dealing without his dad here. And just care for someone. And you can talk to someone and spend some time with them. You just cannot take away the power of fellowship. Don't try. And so then it goes on. And in breaking of bread, that's taking of the Lord's Supper that he instituted, 1 Corinthians 11, Matthew 20, 20, 25, and in different passages where we come together, we take of the breaking of the bread, we take of the, the drinking of the juice, representing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, looking forward to the day when he comes back. And we take of that, and that's what he's talking about. And in prayers, praying together, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And, and are they done today? Maybe not in the way that they did them then, 
But there are all kinds of wonders and signs being done, even in our own church family. Joe, six years sober. That's a wonder and a sign. Somebody's marriage that could stand up today and testify and say, God saved our marriage. Our children. Our children are now saved and walking with God. Those are all miracles. Maybe you're celebrating an anniversary of a lost loved one, and you can say, I just testify that I made it. And I'm still here today in honoring God. And all that believed were together and had all things common. You, you just use what you have to help each other. It's not some, some you know, winner takes all or whoever dies with the most toys wins. It's none of that. And sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Some would say that's the Lord's Supper again. However, it's stated differently. And, and maybe I, I'm all wrong, but, but it goes along with did eat their meat with gladness. I believe it's talking about fellowship again. I think God saw the importance. He's made us to, to be communal people in that he, he's made us to talk to one another. You're not made to go live on an island all by yourself. God hasn't made you to be that way. He wants you to be out there and talking to others. Singleness of heart. Praising God. Having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. I want that. I do. I, I, I want to... I just want to see God do something in our lives and in our community that only God can do. And we want to give him the honor and the glory. And however way that he wants to use us to get that message out, then let's get the message out. Let's just tell them. Let's tell them about Jesus. And let's trust Christ as our Savior. You know him as your Savior, then you know that you have an eternal home in, in heaven, live like that. Live that way today. God's pricking your heart today, showing you some things you need to get right. Get it right with God. Confess it right now. Tell him it's wrong. You don't want it in your life anymore. Turn away from it. Walk with God today. Look, and if you know Christ is your Savior, tell the world about it. Let them know. Let us receive the word gladly. Be baptized. Join the church. Walk with God. And be what God wants us to be. That is what he wants Platte Valley Baptist Church to be in this community. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the perfectness of your word Thank you for our Savior. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for holy living. Thank you for the power to live that way. And Father, I thank you for each one who's in our church family today. Everyone that's sitting here. Lord, everyone sitting here has a need. I have no idea what they are, but you do. And I pray, Father, that whatever it is today, that they lay that at your feet today, 
get things right with you if they need to and walk with you. Trust you as their Savior if that's what they need to do. Whatever the need is, that, Father, they would lay that at your feet today and get things right with you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's all about you. We want you to be honored and glorified. Whatever needs to be done, I pray that you do the work. In Jesus' name, amen.